0: Thank you for visiting the sanctuary fellowship we pray the following message will be encouraging to you listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the creator amen amen all right everybody ready are we ready I'm excited. all the kids are out in childrens Church, because I, I just got to warn you, this might be a little PG-13 today. Here's a quote I'd like to start off with today: "I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. I'm good all by myself, but you, you make me better." If you don't know who said that, just turn to a teenager next to you. They'll tell you where that's from. And I want to title this message, You Make Me Better. Amen? I was going to sing that, but I just couldn't get it right. and I got a sore throat. Amen. So we're in the middle of a series on the life of Elijah. We're doing a series going through the prophets. And so we started with Elijah kind of in 1 Kings. And I want to give you... Uh, Just a recap to make sure everybody's caught up, all right? So this is a 40-second recap of where we started. It's probably about five or six messages long right now. You can get them on on the internet, sanctuaryfellowship.org. You can download them. You can podcast them. Everything's free. I'm not trying to sell anything. Just letting you know where it's at. Amen? Alright, so here's a second, 60-second, 40-second catch-up just to, to bring everybody up to page to where we are today. Here's the beginning: God's people were living reckless. God sends them a prophet, Elijah. Elijah tells the king there's gonna be no more rain until God says so. God sends Elijah into hiding, which was also training. God feeds Elijah by a brook and a bird. The brook dries up. God sends Elijah to the widow, who has only enough for one last meal. God takes those ingredients for one last meal and makes it last for two and a half years. This widow son dies. Elijah prays and the first recorded person is brought back to life. God sends Elijah back to Ahab and he sets up a challenge with him against their gods. Elijah challenges all the priests and prophets of their false gods to a barbecue. 450 priests show up to battle Elijah's god versus theirs our God wins all those priests die Elijah prays that God will keep his promise release the rain and the drought God answers he sends the rain he ends the drought the king tells his wife Jezebel and she sends the famous Jezebel threat Elijah gets wussed out and gets scared he runs and he hides and he tells God he wishes he was dead God responds by sending an angel to feed him thus we have the first angel food cake God sends a tornado God, God calls Elijah. Elijah tells him to get out of the cave and God sends a tornado but God's not in it he sends an earthquake but he's not in it he sends a mighty fire but he's not in it God comes in a still small voice God comforts he calls and he commissions Elijah back to ministry to go and anoint those that would continue on Elijah goes out he finds Elisha he throws his mantle on him and he calls him out Elisha considering the cost quits his job, leaves his entire lifestyle to follow God through Elijah. Amen? And now we're all caught up. And that's where we are. We left off uh, last, last time in uh, chapter 19. And right after chapter 19, chapter 20, is, 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 there's nothing about Elijah or Elisha there. Chapter 20 is just another chapter where God once again shows himself mighty to King Ahab and it is important that that we kinda wrestle with that a minute he gives King Ahab another chance again and again and again see King Ahab was about to be taken over by another king another king says I'm gonna he sends a message to Ahab and he says "I'm, I'm gonna go in and I want you to send me the finest of your women and children and Ahab says "Oh, okay and and so then he says he sends another message he goes not only that but I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna go into every one of your houses and take whatever it is that you hold dear and now that stresses Elijah, you know, um, Ahab out, so he says, man, that's not right. So he talks to people, and the people kind of give him a backbone, because Ahab didn't have a backbone. He was a stubborn idiot that just did not have a backbone. So the people gave him a backbone and said, no, you got to refuse him. You can't let him do that. And so he says, okay, we're not going to do that. And so this guy wants to take everything, and God once again shows Ahab mercy. Say, once again. Say, thank God for a second chance. Amen. But, but Ahab, has, he's dried up all his chances. I don't know how many more chances this man has left, but we'll find out in a minute. And so, he, <coughs> God sends him a word through another prophet, and the word says this. He says, even though the army of your enemy is larger and much stronger than yours, I'm going to give them into your hands today so that you will know that I am your God. I think that word needs to sink into some of us today. I think God wants to say, say to some of you today, even though the armies of your enemy, even though all of those that are rising up against you, even though all of those that have stood against you may appear stronger and they may be larger than you, the Lord is telling you today that I am going to give them into your hands so that you will know that I am the Lord. Amen? Somebody received that. See, King Ahab was a stubborn, stubborn man. But God still speaks to stubborn people. All the stubborn people are laughing. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. God still speaks to stubborn people. King Ahab had been warned up until this point. God has warned them. God has spared them. God has given them chance after chance after chance. And, you know, if there's, if there's one thing we can say about, the, about, about God through this passage is, God is surely slow to anger. Amen? Because I know that had I been playing the role of God in this part, I would have killed this brother chapters ago. Right? So, say, amen, amen, God is not like my pastor because because i mean god is just so slow to anger god has given this man ample opportunity to turn things around ahab is not only stubborn at this point he's stupid how many of you know that you you ever been so stubborn you get stupid right i know men us men we could go from stubborn to stupid in point something seconds like that like that faster than a ferrari faster than we can go from stubborn to stupid in no time. You know, you know when you just got to have it a certain way, and it has to be a certain way, right? And, and you, you ask for God for things, and it has to be a certain way, and, 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 and you know, it just has to be that way. Or when, Or even when God provides for us time and time again, and we still turn around and complain this was me some years back God I need a car I need a car so I can get to this job I can't take this job if I don't get a car and so that was my prayer God I I need a car and then you know when you pray those prayers and then you know that week you come out on Wednesday to prayer because you you need something so you know what what better time to come out to prayer you need something so you come out Wednesday and and you you know you want the the other five people that are here that need something too you want them to huddle around you and, and pray with you and encourage you and so you know that happens and you start to pray and you get God's attention, and then all of a sudden that week you get a phone call, and, and the phone call goes something like this Hey, uh, you know anybody, hey, George, you know anybody that needs a car? And, and you know, your heart like you, you start palpitating, you're like, You know anybody that needs a car? Yeah, yeah, what happened? Well, someone just gave me this great deal on a car, and I don't really need the one I have now, and, and so you can have a car if you need it. And I'm like, Yes, I need this car amen you know and God answers and so you're excited for all of three minutes until you see the car then we grumble and we say God that's not really the car I had in mind that's not the car I was thinking about that's not really the car that I wanted that's embarrassing that car for me to drive and what I've learned is God will not always give you what you want But He'll always give you what you need. See, God wants to make you better. See, I've learned that God will only give you what you want when He knows that you're ready for it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Amen. Amen. See, everything we've ever needed, God has already given us. Amen? If if God stopped giving you, amen, give it up, give it up. If... If God didn't do one more thing for any one of us, he's already done enough. But we complain, and we're bitter, and we grumble. And see, God just wants to make us better. All the other things that God adds to us is just because he's a good father. Amen. And like a good father, God prepares us with what he gives us. See, last week, my friends and the team here, they threw a little Pastor Appreciation Day. And in that wonderful appreciation, they showed you my Pepsi commercial. How many of you went home and Googled it again? And you see, I had done, I, I, I did that commercial when I was about 18, 19 years old. Why is that funny? <laughs> and, and, and for me, man, that was a big deal. See, uh, up until that point in my life, I had done a couple of commercials. I had done a couple of little fill-ins, you know. I, I, I used to go to these um, auditions, and I was always the Hispanic gang member, you know. And, and I, had a, I used to have a long tail. It was an 80s thing, Right. But I used to have a long tail and so I was always the Hispanic gang member. Every audition I went to, it was a gang. I'm like, god, you know, this every every single one. I was once on The Equalizer. Everybody remember The Equalizer? I played this incredible role on The Equalizer. I was a gang member in leather and I got to go like this. No voice because if they voice, they got to pay you more. So it was just and I got to do that for three days and be a movie star but this commercial this Pepsi commercial for me was it this was a national commercial they flew us down to Miami to shoot it they put us up at the Key Biscayne Hotel in Miami I was in the same hotel with, with Gloria Stefan and Miami Sound Machine I was forget it this was it this commercial got me uh, into the Screen Actors Guild so I was now a union actor I was gassed up you, you understand So basically, this commercial swelled my head four times its natural width. My mother had to enlarge the doors in the house. I had to buy special sweaters because they just would not go over the size of my head. So, because basically what that commercial did for me was reaffirmed what I already believed and that was that I was hotter and better than anybody else. See, in my head, I was a movie star. In my head, I was famous and fabulous. But God had different plans for me. Obviously. Amen. Laura's laughing at me. She's like, poor guy. God had different. So I know what I'm talking about because, you see, it almost that all happened. God just called me and brought me out of that. All all happened right around the same year. And and God just took me and said, Man, that's not what I have for you and, and there were other offers in the air and I was like, That's it, I'm on my way, I'm I'm done, I'm 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 Hollywood, I'm movie star- I'm California, I'm done, you know? But 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 God just like put a wet pillow on that thing and just no. It's not what I have for you. And then, and, and then somewhere in between there, God, you know, I was messed up in the occult. I was an epiritista, and, and I thought all of that was, was, was doing, and I thought I was doing God's work, and I had my 19 beads around my neck. If anybody touched I'd kill them. I had the candles lit up in my house. I had the saints. You know, I was, I, I was, I was doing what I thought I was doing. I said, man, this is what God has for me. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in God's perfect will. I'm serving Him as an and and I'm doing what I want to do. God said, you got it so messed up. Amen? Anybody ever been at that point? You think, man, this is it. I got, I got everything where I wanted. Everything is exactly. And then your world comes crumbling down when you see that. That's not what I have for you. That's something you built all by yourself and with a lot of help from the enemy who's setting you up for the biggest fall you could ever, uh, you know, imagine. But God rescued me just in time. Say amen. And, and so I knew. But see, even when he rescued me, I came with my big head. So, so I came into the body of Christ still with a big swelled head. So, so I still had issues, you see. I still had my own, my own issues. And so I know what I'm talking about, especially with the car thing. Because for about five or six, no, probably most of my Christian life, I drove jalopies that would make some of your cars look like they should be on MTV Cribs or something. I drove one jalopy after another jalopy after another. Every car that I had for five or six years was a gift free. I didn't pay for one car. Amen? It's not that happy though. They were embarrassing. They were embarrassing cars. I had one car that when I went to register I got in trouble because I didn't know what color it was. Because the car was just rust. Anybody remember that? It was a Nissan Maxima. You remember that? The car was rust. It had no color. So I had to like make up a color and I got it wrong and I got in trouble. And I had to go explain and and go through all that. So it was that bad, the cars that I drove. But you see, I had a humility problem. Basically, I had none. And and so God was dealing with me by saying, I'm not. And plus, by the way, at this point, all the money from the commercials dried up. I thought those checks were going to come forever. They, man, I used to get a check in the mail. I said, honey, yeah, we knew the envelope already. It was creative talent management. That was my manager. And we said, well, look, honey, an envelope. She was like, let's go. Let's buy another four VCRs. Let's buy that shoe. What shoe you like? Let's buy it in three colors. Amen. Let's, well, you can't have those three shoes without a jacket to go. Let's buy three jackets. And I mean, it was just foolish. I had my, my first debit card was just thin. You could see through it. It was so thin just from, from swiping that thing. It was bad. I just thought the money would never end, right? But at this point, it all ended. And I had to get a job making $199 a week after taxes. And I have a wife now because she stuck with me through it all. And there's a baby on the way. And I'm a Christian now. And I'm coming home with $199 a week. But I still got a swelled head because God is slowly. Amen. God was slowly. I, at one point, it was so bad. Every car that I had would last about ten to eleven months, not even a full year. So I was almost in trouble of getting in trouble with the with the IRS because every year on my taxes I'd donate a car. And they said, "How can somebody donate a car every year for five or six years?" And I said, "Well, because the cars would last ten to eleven months and break down, and God would provide another one." At one point, I had one jalopy sitting in my driveway waiting for this jalopy to stop running. Because God will always provide your needs. He's Jehovah Jireh. That's one of the names on the wall over there. My God will provide. But God will not always give you what you want, but He will give you what you need. He knew that I had to, working in corporate America, had to start, look around when nobody was looking, pop my hood and start it with a screwdriver, in one of those cars. Incorporate in a tie, in a jacket. Because God was just chilling me out, letting me know listen, you're nothing. You can only be great if I make you great. You can only be influential if I make you influential. You can only have life and speak life and be life. You can only shine if I shine in you. By yourself, this is you. Starting a car with a screwdriver or having two friends push it so you can jumpstart it. Anybody has some of those? Wow. See, now I'm sitting on 14s on a Hyundai Elantra of 2005. So So it's different. You know, God could trust me a little little bit more because I've learned some humility, amen? Because God brings you through places to teach you humility, amen? That was embarrassing, okay. See, even as a pastor, God deals with humility with me. If I have too many of you come and tell me, oh man, that was a great service. Oh, we had such a great service. God touched my life or whatever, whatever. And I start to, uh, there'll be one teenager, guaranteed one teenager will come up to me, Hey, you know what? I don't mind going to this church. It's not as boring as all the other ones. You know, thinking that that's a good compliment, but to me, I'm, like, I'm crushed. Wait, it's not as boring. And, you know, I just want to be like your father. You know, that's like insulting to me, you know, but, but I understand. God is just always keeping me. Amen. All right, let's go back to Ahab. Enough about me. Ahab was a stubborn man, but not only was Ahab stubborn, he was wicked. Listen to what the word says in chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. And I want to stay right here today because I think it's just so important. The, The word says, there was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols and on and on and on. But what a title to have. Can you imagine if there's one thing said about you in a book or or anywhere that that would be the one thing is said about you? There was never a man like Ahab. That's like going on American Idol, right? And having Simon say, I have never heard anyone as bad as you. I have never I mean that is what a title There was never a man like Ahab But notice Jezebel is mentioned right there in that sentence And and that's what I really want you to get today See, no matter what version you look it up It says There was never a man like Ahab Urged on by his wife There was never a man like Ahab Incited by Jezebel There was never a man like Ahab Pushed by his wife There was never a man like Jezebel stirred up by his his wife. Every version makes sure that they mention in that big statement that his wife had something to do with it. Listen, could it be because Ahab might not have been the worst if it wasn't for Jezebel's urging? Could it be? See, and and, and here's where we get PG-13, I'm sorry. But the word says that when we lie with someone in the biblical sense, We become one flesh. That's a serious word and that drags along with it some serious consequences. And and I want you to know, I'll I'll let you know right off the bat, I'm going to stray off this series for a minute on the life of the prophets because I believe the word of God is alive and active. And when I read that verse, it grabbed me and it shook me and I feel like we need to pause here. We need to linger on that. We need to teach on that. We need to allow some people to get revelation on that. Is that all right? See, there might have been no Ahab as we know of him without a Jezebel. And there might not have been a Jezebel as we know her if Ahab had not been with her in the biblical sense. Because Ahab, the king of Israel, chose to be one flesh with Jezebel, that allowed Jezebel to have power and authority over God's people, Israel. You need to kind of really get that. And if if you look in the Word, it says it in Matthew, it says it in Mark, it says it again in 1 Corinthians, it says it again in Ephesians. It says this, At the beginning the Creator made them, male and female, whoa, that's a whole nother message, isn't it? And said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. See, when two people unite themselves, they become one. Now, let's not be naive about that. We're not just talking about marriage. That the little stories we tell the kids, where the babies come from, when when people get married, and then later on you got to explain, because then there's people around you having kids that are not married. Like, well, okay, okay, let me explain something to you. And 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 now all of a sudden you're a liar. You understand? You never spoke full truth. And see, I want to take the word of God and I need to speak full truth. And if it offends some of you, I'm sorry. If it offends somebody, if it, if it chases you out of the church, it, it's truth and that's, that's... My mandate from God is to speak the truth of God in love. Amen? And I won't... Not, I will not... Sac- I won't, see, the anointing of God feels so good, I wouldn't give it up to keep some of you as friends. I love you guys and all that, but... But the anointing of God to me, the mandate of God on my life is better to me than anything else. And so I'm just going to kind of speak what it says. See, it doesn't, being one doesn't mean married. Listen to me, young people, singles. The emerging culture will always tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. The Word of God tells you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Young people, listen. The problem with that is that we could always find a church or 27 that are willing to tell people what they need to do and even beat them up about not doing it, but we don't have many people willing to walk it out and walk you through. I'm calling men and women in this church who are willing to walk it out with others. Amen? We can't talk about healthy families. We can't talk about building healthy families if we're not willing to walk it out. And so I I want you to know that's what we're here to do. The emerging culture will tell you, young people, listen. Disease and unwanted pregnancy and abortion that only exists because no prophylactics are being used. And that can all be avoided today with a condom. The emerging culture says, hear the word of the Lord today. There are no spiritual prophylactics. The word says the two will become one. Do we, do, we, do we understand that? The two will become one. When man lies with a woman, they will become one. Married or not, protected or not, safe-sexed or not, any other form of it or not. The word says the two will become one. Just to prove it to you that we're not talking about marriage here, you can look at it in 1 Corinthians 6.16. It says, he's talking about, Paul's talking about how the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And see, this body houses the Holy Spirit of God. So our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says here in 1 Corinthians 6.16, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, and it quotes the previous, the two will become one flesh. So it's pretty obvious we're not talking about marriage, we're talking about sex. All right? Can we talk about sex in church? The message puts it this way. I love the way this says. The message says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as physical fact. As it is written in scripture, the two become one. Singles, be careful who you join yourselves with. That person can either make you better or worse than you already are. Listen, I don't believe this is a coincidence. If this is your first time here or you, God brought you here out of nowhere, you're here. Hear the word of the Lord today, amen. You could dislike me afterwards if you like it. It's- The sad thing is, (coughs) singles, most of the time we usually know right off the bat that this person is not going to make me better. Amen? See, if you're in a mall and this guy that you find attractive hands you his number behind his girlfriend's back, chances are that guy's not going to make you better. Can we say amen? If you are in a mall and this woman who you find attractive, or say you're in a bar and this woman who you find attractive, everyone knows her in the bar. <laughs> Chances are this woman is not going to make you better. Amen? Let's, let's flip that on the flip side. A lot of married couples here. Let me talk to the couples. You possess the ability to make your spouse better or worse. I love hitting this. You can make your spouse better or worse. I'm going to give you some free marriage counseling, some free premarital counseling, some all kinds of counseling is going to be done right here in this word. You can make your spouse better or you can make your spouse worse. W- worse. Listen to me. Ask yourselves, what do you bring out of your mate? What are you doing to make them better? Can they recite the words of that song over you saying, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. I'm good all by myself, but mommy, you, you make me better. See, I know that I can say that about my wife. I know that I can say that about my wife because my wife makes me better. She makes me better. She knew this morning after some things that were going on and some things that i I've just kind of walking through. She knew this morning I was at a point where I wanted to walk out and not come back today. she left what she was doing and went to my office and prayed with me and encouraged me see my wife makes me better I I hope that she can say the same thing about me because if there's one thing I desire as a husband is to make her better. I hope that my daughters can say the same thing about me because if there's one thing that I desire as a father is to make them better. I hope that this church can say the same thing about me because if there's one thing I desire as a pastor is to make you better. I pray that God would say the same thing about me because if there's one thing that I desire as the Christian. Is to be better I know that I can say those words to God because God has made me better he's taken me he he knew he's taken me who knew no better he's taken me in all of my faults and all of my brokenness and all of my pride and all of my humility and he has made me better. He's taken me who's had, who hasn't had the greatest example of, 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 of fathers, mothers, this and that, and an example of marriages or example, who, and, 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 and made me better. Given me a better marriage and a better. God has made me better. He's made me the man that I am, the father that I am, the husband, the friend, the pastor that I am today, and God wants to make you better. And if if there's anything that you could remember from today, I want you to understand that God wants to make you better. And I've said this before, and and I'll say it again. Marriage is a picture of our relationship with God. Swallow on that one. Your marriage is a picture of our relationship with God. Look at what it says in Ephesians 5.22. You can turn there, because what if I'm making this up? Ephesians 5.22, I'm reading it from the message. It says, Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership or should provide leadership to his wife and the way Christ does to the church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. What does cherish mean? To protect and care for lovingly. So 24 says, just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Turn to your wife and say, submit woman. I'm glad that there were very smart men in this room that did not listen to when I just said that. Because if you did, this part was going to bite you in the butt right now. 20 verse 25, it says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Listen, a love marked by giving, not getting. Men ask yourselves, what did you ever do that you should receive God's love? Nothing. So stop expecting her to do that she should receive your love. 26, Christ's love makes the church whole. That's how we're supposed to love our wives. We're supposed to make them whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Christ makes the church better. What are you bringing out of your mate? What are you doing to make them better? May it never be said of any one of us, there was never a man like, urged on by... Let's pray. John 10.10, Jesus says, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, have I seen that in marriages? Have I seen that in relationships? The enemy comes to steal, and kill, and destroy. Please understand, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads, just close your eyes for a minute, just, just so that you're not distracted, just so that the person next to you would shut up already and, and, and let you listen. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if there's, understand that if the enemy could destroy the family, he destroys everything. If he can wreck the peace in the house, he can destroy the world. If he can destroy peace and harmony between a, a a couple, he can ruin their children. If you allow the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy in your relationships, then he wins. Worship team, you guys can come. Jesus says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy I came so that you can have real and eternal life a more and better life than you ever dreamed of Jesus came that he would make you better now there's something that I I, I didn't plan to do but I just feel like we have to do I hate, if it, there's one thing I, I, I can't stand is, is when someone's given the, the ability to speak into somebody's life, like in a, in a church or in something, and, and we make it so nice and neat and pretty, and we say, okay, amen, and go home. No, see, I, I, I feel that God says when God wants to challenge us, it's challenge time, and, and we should never come to church without being challenged, then maybe you're in the wrong place if you leave without being challenged either you weren't paying attention you got yourself distracted or you're probably in the wrong place because when we come face to face with God's Word that is holy we have to be challenged because none of us are walking that way even even the best of us that try the hardest when we're presented with God's Word we fall short amen So I I want you to really, singles and young people, I want you to really take that to heart. When you lie with someone, you become one. And the saddest thing about our relationships and when we start getting into marital age and when we start getting into relationships of marriage we've become one so many times and become unstuck and become stuck and become unstuck and become stuck, and become and become stuck that when we finally meet the wife that God has for us or the, the husband that God has for us there's no stickiness left there's no there's no there's no we we've, we've learned we've practiced divorce so much that we don't know what it's like to be married We don't know what it's like to love somebody, to give and give and give with no intention of getting. We don't know what it's like to to sacrificially lay down our lives to make someone better. We don't know what it's like to submit because we've never had anybody that was protecting and loving and caring and so the word submit seems like a bad word to most women say i won't submit to that man what does that mean that means she doesn't trust you that means you haven't cherished her that means you haven't protected her and loved her and laid down your life for her or she would submit in a heartbeat can i get an amen from any woman? Right. we're wired that way Casual sex is not casual, it's destructive, it's destroying. I wish I could just get into the hearts of every young person here, of every teenager, and just tell them, listen, it's, it's your, your. <clears throat> the MTV tells you it's fun, and they tell you it's this, and they tell you this could be safe. But there is something spiritual that happens when you dwell in those areas that you don't understand. And it will destroy you every time. But enough enough about that. Like King Ahab, right up until the very end of his life, God gave him another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and, and listen, this, that God is the same God yesterday that he was back then he's the same God today and, and God has your stubborn but sitting in this church today to let you know to give you another chance and another chance and to let you know I have brought you to the place today where you come face to face with your iniquity face to face with your sin not to punish you not to make you feel bad not to beat you up not to humiliate you but so that you would realize that I love you and that I still love you and that I still desire to make you better listen if we've lost our purity God desires to make you better He can bring you purity once again. He can make us, I don't care how old you are, He can make you a spiritual virgin once again. God wants to restore purity in the church he wants to restore purity to our young people he wants to bring purity to a culture that's so saturated by the enemy that's so saturated and can't even see straight because it's coming in from every angle it's on the billboards it's on the posters it's on the tv it's in the radio it's in the music it's in the movies it's in our friends i can't see straight all i understand is everybody's telling me to do this and then there's this one little voice that's telling me not to it's so much easier to listen to all of those voices. Me and Manny were just talking about a rap song that the rap song that they played during offering and the chorus says, I'm I'm in I'm I'm in rebellion. And, and the guy's singing, I'm in rebellion. Why? Because the world, all the world is going that way. They're all doing bad things. They're all doing wickedness. They're all doing all these things. And this guy, soldier for Christ, says, I'm in rebellion. I'm going to rebel against what the world says to do. Amen. I'm gonna stand for God. I'm gonna be in rebellion of the world. Listen, if that's your heart cry today, if that if something God is, is just grabbing your inside today and twisting, would you just stand and acknowledge him today? Listen, we don't make anybody I I, I pray that that This hasn't made you feel bad, I don't want to make you feel bad, I don't want to tear you down, I don't want to sound legalistic and say you're dirty, no, I'm just as dirty as every one of you, and that's why I started with my stories first, because God is dealing with me, and he'll continue to deal with me until I get into glory, that's the only time that I'll be right, and it's the same thing for each and every one of you, God is dealing with you, and God is bringing you to a place, and he's just saying I love you, I love you, I love you, and I brought you here today as a sign that I love you and that I still receive you and I still accept you. Would you just come and let's worship together as a broken body. Can we just come and worship God together? God wants to make you better. You just raise a hand and just say, God, you make me better. Come on, say it and believe it. Say, God, you make me better, God. You make me better, God. <laughs> I bet you fabulous and Neo and none of those guys ever thought we'd be praying his, that song, amen say, God, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. You make me better, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Father, I just thank you for each and every one here tonight, today, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would just bring healing into marriages, that you would bring healing and peace into homes, Lord God, that you would comfort young people, Lord God, that you would be a light unto their path, that you would direct them, that, Father, that they would be able to hear your voice, Lord God. God, that once in a while, Lord, that they would turn off their iPods, that once in a while, Lord God, they would flip the channel, that once in a while, Lord God, they would turn and listen for your still, small voice, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, at that open window that you would speak to them, that you would change them, that you would empower them and make them holy, make them whole, Lord God. For all of our singles, Lord God, that are broken, I just pray a restoration today, Lord God. I pray a wholeness to cover over them, Lord God. Father, let not one person leave here full of shame or or doubts, Lord God. But Father, help them to be restored today, knowing that, God, in you, in what you've done for them, you've made them better, Lord. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.